Welcome to another episode of Professors at Work. I'm your host, Rami Khouri, at the American University of Beirut. We're really pleased this week to have as our guest uh, the first student who is uh, going to be speaking to us. She's Elsie Milan. She's a master's uh, student in chemical engineering, and she has uh, already achieved quite a distinction by being the first researcher, the first person uh, from Lebanon, uh, first woman and the first student from Lebanon at the COP26 conference that was recently held um, in uh, Glasgow. And she works on something called CCUS, which is Carbon Capturing, Utilization, and Storage, which is one of the latest uh, technologies that people all over the world are exploring to help mitigate climate change. So, Elsie, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. This is uh, so. Are you going to save the world? <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> all right. Tell us uh, how what the research is that you're doing and uh, why you chose it. And then we'll get into what you're discovering. Okay, awesome. So uh, in light of carbon capturing, utilization, and storage, my research focuses on the storage part. Okay. Uh, it actually goes back to the earlier projects that involved CCUS, like enhanced oil recovery, storage of CO2 to enhance oil recovery. And then um, I explored more than 42 projects from the subsurface side of it. So we went to the deep subsurface analysis, of uh, thermophysical properties like permeability, porosity of the rocks where CO2 will be stored, as well as the characteristics of CO2 as a flow, uh, as, as a fluid, sorry. Uh, its flow, uh, is it emissible or not with the fluids already in the, in the rock? And from these projects, we want to learn what were the mistakes, what were the problems that these companies faced on the big scale, and we want to simulate uh, these parameters, the basic parameters, uh, on software, solely on software. We're not going to use experimental uh, procedures in lab. Everything is going to be right. based on uh, computational fluid dynamics programs, as well wow. as the latest multi-physics software, TOF3. Uh, and we got the license specifically for this project. Now the license will be available. Uh, for AUB, uh, for AUB to use in later projects. And Let me just, uh, Elsie, uh, sorry yes. to interrupt you. Before we go further, explain to us exactly what when you say capturing. You're talking about carbon dioxide that is released already into the atmosphere, or yes, are you trying exactly. to capture it at the point of release, say from a factory or a car exhaust or something? Uh, well, when carbon is captured, it could be from uh, oil and gas operations. Mm -hmm. uh, or heavy industries like steel, cement, those very heavy industries that influence a lot the chemical composition of the atmosphere. Right. And we capture it after it's released from these technologies. Mm -hmm. And then we either use it for uh, new pro products, like, for example, uh, jewelry. They say CO2 will, be, uh, will replace a lot of materials in jewelry, textile mm -hmm. industry. And uh, we combine it with, for example, biofuels, with the production of green hydrogen, or mm -hmm. we can store it underground in depleted, in depleted reservoirs, saline aquifers, uh, and we store it for a long period, for a long period of time. And you st when you store it underground, you can keep it there indefinitely and then pull it out and use it when you want? Uh, so now we focus on keeping it indefinitely there. Okay. Uh, under under conditions that um, protect the storage, like for the storage to be safe, 
because yeah. we are afraid of leakages, which is one of the major problems that this technology faces when we store CO2. It should be in at equilibrium, in good conditions for not to leak and uh, cause uh, damages, which is not at all the purpose of the technology. And uh, you, store it, you store it in a gas form? Uh, uh, we store it either at supercritical conditions or subcritical conditions. It depends on the uh, formation, uh, on the formation and other conditions like the fluid already there. If there is water inside the inside the the, the formation inside the rock, uh, minerals, okay. will it be in a mixture of let's say N two with it? This is also investigated later on. But for now, we focus on the optimal conditions for CO two itself. So you're trying to f study the best, effective, most effective, safest way for you to store large amounts of CO2 underground. Are there other options besides underground? Um, well, storing it underground is the safest one for now, especially when you consider reservoirs that have been used in oil and gas exploration, now depleted. Uh, the infrastructure is already there. Uh, there's also the technical, the, not only the technical aspect of the technology, but also the economic aspect. We're searching for uh, ways that allow us to store it and not start a project from scratch. When you decide to store it in, uh, uh, to sequester the CO2 in uh, depleted oil and gas reservoirs, where right. operations have ended a couple of years ago or more, then you're not paying for the infrastructure or, or right. it's already there. So... Mm -hmm. uh, you're reducing the cost of the technology as well. Okay, so continue. I'm sorry I interrupted you because we needed to understand. <laughs> Those of us who didn't do very well in chemistry in high school now uh, need these kind of explanations from experts like you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm still a student at the, at the beginning of it, but I really hope to investigate the matter even more. So right. uh, when, we when we talk about uh, carbon, cap carbon sequestration, there are two major parameters that we need to assess in order to see if our technology is viable or not. First of all, the capacity, how much can we store in the reservoir and what are the factors that influence capacity because it's not static, it changes with the changes of properties, with permeability, right. with porosity, it changes with, the, with also the economic conditions of the company. If the company cannot mm -hmm. continue working on the project anymore, then capacity, the envisioned capacity will be decreased. The other, right. uh, the other uh, factor we assess is the injectivity index, which is based on uh, not only the flow rate, but also on the differences of pressure. Because a reservoir's pressure is constant. It doesn't change. Uh, mm -hmm. You can change the, the bottom hole pressure, which is when we're drilling to inject CO2. This right. pressure, we can, we can, let's say, play with it in order to create a certain equilibrium between both quantities. But what we discovered lately is that while these, while the flow rate, the difference of pressure is mathematically related to the injectivity index, there's also the number of injection wells, because this mm -hmm. is also an economic factors, uh, mm -hmm. factor. And we also saw that the more we, we, are injecting, we are injecting in different wells, this doesn't automatically mean that we will be able to inject more because right. it depends on the nature of the of uh, the formation on its permeability you might have a very permeable uh, rock and drill two or three wells and then that's it it's enough sometimes okay. you have to drill more than 10 wells to achieve the to store the desired amount and that also has technical and economic impacts and 
with countries today uh, recovering after the pandemic and also trying to mitigate climate change uh, consequences, especially after the COP26, you have, they want to create a balance between mm -hmm. these two situations. So uh, that's when uh, the economic as well as technical factors come into play. Now okay. we will be using uh, these conditions, these real life conditions into uh, the simulation softwares mm -hmm. where we will try to see other parameters as well. For example, salinity and mineralization. If we're going to have minerals formed when CO2 is stored, which also influence permeability and the formation. Mm -hmm. I always mention permeability because it's one of the major factors when we're talking about uh, storing anything underground. Um, mm -hmm. So salinity is one thing. The second thing is the presence of uh, gas, if, if gas is still there, because sometimes companies end, end uh, exploitation of oil and gas, mm -hmm. not when the, let's say in simple terms, quantity is finished or the reservoir is totally depleted, Sometimes right. you still have gas underground or oil that you haven't drilled for yet. So this will react with CO2. And we also want to see the flow of it. Will it, it will flow radial. Mm -hmm. I, I discovered this a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. but this is due to the faults. Mm -hmm. And the presence of faults will also impact <laughs> this, uh, this uh, CO2 sequestered because uh, faults will also create a higher probability for CO2 to migrate, wow. which is an upflow of CO2, something we don't want. So also trying to store it safely, finding a way or a possible recommendation to, to not for the CO2 not to uh, flow upwards will also be something challenging for us because once it flow upwards, it, it can contaminate the water and create right. environmental hazards. Wow. So you see a lot of factors come into play and we really mm -hmm. want to evaluate which one comes at the highest, most important rank, which but one me, has been disregarded and so on. Let me interrupt again. So uh, if I understand you right, you, you, take, you, you identify available underground uh, spaces that could have been former gas fields or oil fields or something, and you drill down, you inject the CO2 into them, um, and then when they're full, you cap it and close it and hopefully nothing leaks and then you move on to uh, another available space i mean it, is there an, are there enough storage places in the world to capture all the carbon dioxide that we're trying to store <laughs> well for now uh, for now we're, we're going in the direction of uh, depleted reservoir to try to find the benchmark between the amounts that were released from co2 operations and the amount we can store okay. um, there are also a lot of um, spaces outside geological formation. Mm -hmm. You have also storing CO2 in, in the ocean and uh, uh, offshore, but you also are facing, you also face all, uh, social um, uh, complexities when it comes to this. So research not only revolves around storing underground um, right. on, on uh, uh, let's say, uh, on soil or, or uh, 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 um, um, like it's not onshore, offshore. It's, it should be right. both. And we also rely on <laughs> reforestation, which is something natural, a natural mm -hmm. uh, uh, CO2 capturing technology. Reforestation. But, uh, 
you said. Yes, I think also reforestation is something very important. Right. So the combination of offshore, onshore sequestration, utilization of CO2 and new mm -hmm. products, as well as, as reforestation, will be mm -hmm. a good uh, combination <laughs> combination to uh, decrease uh, wow. CO2 so emissions. Th there must be hundreds, if not thousands, of people like you all over the world trying to figure this out, because whoever figures it out quickly is going to make a lot of money, probably, if it has commercial applications and governments and people all over the world will want to use these techniques. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So, uh, go ahead. No, no, no ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're, uh, you're working in an area that is incredibly existentially maybe important for life on Earth, and there are hundreds if not thousands of other scientists and engineers doing the same thing. Um, where have you, where do you think you and your colleagues are contributing any new knowledge in this arena? And then uh, we'll get into, uh, then I'll ask you about what happened at COP26 when you went to share this knowledge with other people like you. But tell me first what you've, what do you think you've discovered and, and why it matters? Okay, so interestingly, uh, there is, there's a geographical, um, let's say, um, difference between countries interested in CCS, CCUS, and others that are not. For example, in Europe, you have countries that are not really like France, that are not really into CCUS. They are focusing more on green and blue hydrogen or renewable energies. But mostly, our research has shown that countries like Australia, the United States, China, Russia, uh, Canada, those countries are really focusing on, this, uh, on these technologies. And my research, which is um, a contribution, uh, a joint program actually between uh, AUB and KAUST in Saudi Arabia, uh, also shows the interest of uh, the kingdom to uh, mitigate uh, climate change without affecting its uh, fossil fuel uh, sector. Because as you know, you have Aramco, which is uh, very connected to the, to the government. You have also countries like um, the UAE, so the Gulf in general, mm -hmm. and Abno, right. Abno, they're very interested in that. Now, the first con contribution we were able to make was uh, we were the first to gather inf the totality of subsurface information on more than 42 projects. Wow. So there's no uh, paper out there there's no document uh, online available that gathers all information related to 42 CCUS projects uh, mm -hmm. related to their subsurface characteristics. So mm -hmm. you're talking uh, pressure across the process of storing from injection, from CO2 injection pressure to the pressure in the bottom hole at the wellhead, permeability, porosity, thickness. So we were able to do that. It took us... Uh, more than five months to, to collect all this information. A lot of it mm -hmm. was very confidential. And the other contribution we'll be making, and what I hope my project to be, is a, um, uh, let's say, a brochure. That's what I consider it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. future work. So something you, as, a, as, as, a, as an industry or a company or a giant uh, um, uh, energy company, would want to go back and see the optimal values present there. Uh, that's something I really want from my uh, project to be, because I know when you're searching for 
the optimal conditions to store CO2, it will be very tricky. Not everyone is willing to disclose this information that most companies consider confidential. Right. So uh, that's what I really want to achieve from my research and using only softwares, nothing, oh, wow. nothing experimental. And, no and do, you, do you eventually have to try a real life or real underground experiment once, or will the software 100% give you uh, results that you can apply? The software we're actually using is Tough 3. It's uh, the latest multi, uh, multi-phase fluid software. It can model in 3D. It has corrected a lot of uh, uh, bugs that were in its earlier version, and it was issued in 2018. Uh, so it's one of the most optimal softwares out there. So uh, I think to a certain accuracy, it can give us uh, the parameters that we're uh, that we intend to, to collect. And we will also be using uh, uh, other um, uh, conf- uh, computation fluid dynamic softwares to try to plot and be able to visualize the data we will collect from the software. So wow. uh, these are the most advanced softwares out there, the ones we're so, using. <laughs> so, so you've completed the first stage, which is the analysis of uh, the uh, subsurface conditions from 42 um, projects around the world or, or storage, potential storage areas around the world um, and the dynamics of sending the CO2 underground. What's your next step in this work now? Well, I'll be presenting my proposal. You're the first person to hear about this. <laughs> oh, wow. We're honored. <laughs> so we have. We should do breaking news. All right, breaking news coming pass. up here. Okay. <laughs> so I hope you make me pass. It will be... Yes. Uh, it will cheer me up for next week. So yes. the, the next step will be uh, the actual simulation. Uh, we will come up with our own problem. We will not be using any pre, uh, predisposed uh, uh, SCAL file, which is the file where we will insert the code. Um, we will be using our own. Um, and we'll be discussing different parameters, doing sensitivity analysis. And once we were done, we'll be able to determine what would be our recommendations to the failure as well as to increase the success of these projects so we're not deviating from them we'll be continuing uh, working with the conditions of these projects and we'll be giving for those projects that we think their values were fishy their values show some kind of uh, deviation from the ideal uh, behavior that they should exhibit we'll try to find why these values were like this and how these companies in the future will be able to do that. So the next step will be purely a simulation step and collecting data and performing sensitivity analysis. Oh. Uh, and, and who would be, say you, you come up with a, a credible, verified mechanism to store uh, CO2 safely underground. Um, what happens next? Um, do you make this a... Um, public knowledge, anybody in the world can use this, or do you take a patent on it and, and, and um, AUB and other, and, and Kaos and other people you're working with uh, then have agreements with uh, cement factories and steel mills and, and oil producers to use your knowledge to store the CO2 safely? What, what happens with the information, with the knowledge that you generate? Well, this knowledge will be part of uh, the global project, that uh, the, the total project that is funded actually by uh, 
the uh, Masri Institute for Energy in uh, AUB. Yeah, yeah, that's good to know that more and more AUB uh, entities are involved in this. Yes, actually, the, the committee that will be supervising, supervising and uh, assessing this project is very diverse from the chemical department to the energy department to KAUST. So about five advisors will be uh, <laughs> uh, working, okay. will be assessing the project. Once I'm done, of course, uh, AUB has... Uh, uh, I owe AUB a lot and uh, they are... <laughs> the uh, the owners of uh, this uh, this project so whatever my advisors uh, uh, decide want to do with the project combine it with future research offer mm-hmm. to some, uh, uh, industrial field i i'm always uh, uh, like i always rely and trust their own judgment <laughs> i still yeah. love <laughs> well you're <clears throat> you're uh, pretty lucky to be at aub and aub is even luckier to have you there um, Thank you. so this we've we've almost run out of uh, time, Elsie, can I just ask you what, now you said the next step is you're going to do an actual simulation and you'll finish your master's degree uh, this year, next year, when will you finish? Hopefully in spring. If in spring? Uh, yes. and, and, what, and what's your next step? Uh, I'm applying for a PhD abroad. Uh, as you know, this is a new project and I really want to contribute to it. So yeah, uh, of course. If, I can't, if I can contribute with research and uh, develop it even more it would be uh, like an achievement <laughs> oh that would be great but then make sure you come back and, and teach at AUB yes. <laughs> we need we, we need I'm to, tied to AUB. yeah yeah and did you do your undergraduate at AUB yes I've been in AUB for about six years I was oh. seven when I joined and uh, I forged everything in my personality at AUB I owe it well, a lot yeah well you're uh, you're fortunate to have such uh such good facilities and uh, and advisors and, and colleagues and professors uh, working with you. Um, so in, in one uh, last uh, thought, um, how soon do you think the knowledge that you're generating can be put into actual practical applications around the world to help save the planet from doom? Okay, so uh, to answer this question, there are three angles, and I will go very uh, very fast over them. First of all, you have the finances. So uh, as fast as companies and governments are willing to invest not only in this technology, but the mixture of uh, 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 renewable energy and uh, in the energy transition, the more they spend and the fastest they do, mm-hmm. the, more, the faster we can reach our, our goals. Okay. The second- the second angle is social, the way people will accept such technology. I mean, we're living in a very fast capitalist, uh, globalized world. Right. People are not willing to give up their their lifestyles and go back to pre-industrial levels. So we have to mitigate the ch- challenges as, as much as, as faster as we can. And the third thing is uh, the development of the technology. So uh, there, these are the three angles. So as we're moving faster and uh, also having policies related to that policies are something very very important when mm-hmm. it's contextualized in uh, very effective policies then the combination of these let's say four factors now will allow us to mitigate climate change mm-hmm. wow that's amazing well we've run out of time unfortunately um, my guest has been elsie milan a master's degree in a student in chemical engineering working on carbon capturing utilization and storage technologies 
and she's focusing on the underground storage, as you just heard. Um, thank you very much, Elsie, for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored. Oh, the honor is ours, and we, I'm sure we'll come back to you uh, in the future, see where you're uh, moving with your colleagues. So thank, yeah. thanks to the uh, audience also for joining us. This is Professors at Work. I'm Rami Khoury. Join us again next week. Bye for now.